Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. July the 23rd, and it is a big, big day in the world of sports. You are listening to the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bocola, the co-host alongside the main man, Mike Abadir. Mike, we've had a couple days of preseason basketball, but today is a big day because it is really the first game back in months for any of the major team sporting events and we're going to get a baseball game in the first pitch in, in just a minute right now with the, the Yankees and the Nationals. Later on tonight, we'll see the Dodgers and the Giants hook up. But we were very excited for that. But we also have had a lot of news today, in particular, about these two teams, about two of the four teams that are playing on opening night. They are going to be having you know players that are going to be major contributors to their team that won't be playing for a while. Yeah, I mean... First of all, it really hit me once I saw the uh, teammates alongside the first and third base line for the opening day announcements of the players that this is opening day, that we finally have this thing back. And I have a psychological question for you, but I'll defer that for after I answer your question. There are, well, I guess your your statement, two big, big pieces of news came out today. And one is about Soto arguably the best hitter on the Nationals and the other about legendary Dodgers, you know, future Hall of Fame pitcher Clayton Kershaw. B- big blows for both of these teams. You know, we've talked about it before, how when 60-game season, each game is so meaningful. So what do you think? I mean, just as a Dodger fan, we'll start, we'll start there, and that's going to be the night game starting in about mm, three hours and change here. The, yeah, that's ha- it's, Losing it's, him for a 10-day DL – you don't explain to us what do you think that that means for the Dodgers? Well, you don't like to see it right away in a situation like that, which in a situation like this, which is going to be we're playing a small season, sixty games in sixty six days. So one week or ten days could turn into two weeks or three weeks very easily. And we're not talking about a season when you're going to get the opportunity to make thirty starts. So the Dodgers, th- this is one thing that the Dodgers have depth, but. Is it going to be worse having someone from up from the minor leagues, maybe a Santana or a Dustin May or a Gonsolin making a start instead of a Kershaw? Absolutely. You'd much rather have Kershaw there. And, you know, I think Kershaw isn't the same Kershaw that he might have been three years ago. He's lost some luster on the fastball. He's lost a little bit of stuff here and there. We all know about his issues in the playoffs and, and things like that. But he's still, when you look at, innings pitched he's been a top 20 pitcher over the last few years when you look at numbers he's always still right around a top 10 pitcher even though he's he's kind of set a bar very high for himself so even when it feels like he struggles he's still way better than most of the uh, the league so this is a big blow for the Dodgers and I think losing Soto for the Nationals is a huge blow because this is a team that's already lost Rendon they had to get on a roll and things had to go really well for them. They they need they're a team that's going to be heavily reliant on their pitching carrying them. So they need major production from Soto. And without him there, that's going to be a big, big hole in their lineup. 
yeah, I don't think uh, Eric Thames has the uh, power stroke to be able to make up for all the production of Rendon. He's a fierce power hitter, of course, but he just doesn't, uh, he's not as consistent. And uh, his best year in the majors was a couple years ago with the Brewers when he came up from Korea. And I think his best days are uh, probably behind him a little bit older now. But tell us a little bit about the big redhead. Six foot six, I think 180, 185 pounds. He's legit. Pounds. He's legit. He came up for a little bit last year, right? Yeah, what did he you was see a, out of him? What's the, what's the book on him? He was a little more raw last year. The two kids that were pitching a lot last year were Gonsolin and May. And, and Gonsolin is more of a, I think, a ready right now type of pitcher. He's probably projects a lot more towards the back end of the rotation. May was projecting as someone that could be a top three starter in rotations. He was one of these pitchers that's sort of been on the untouchables list for the Dodgers the last few years. He's been one of their top tier prospects. He, I mean, he really has it all. He, he, he's got he, he, multiple pitches. He can mix it up. He's very, very good. So no, he's no slouch bringing him up. And the only reason why he's not up, he wasn't up initially. I think they just sent Gonsolin and May down because they're going to be rotating pitchers and, and kind of bringing them in and out throughout the year. So it's yeah, and not- I had a, I had a question by the way from a from a big Giants fan up north who was asking me why would the Dodgers bring up somebody that you know they've left off temporarily to start opening day and not just move up the entire pitching staff, go start with the number two today, number three tomorrow, so on and so forth. And I think the answer for that is just simply that these guys, these pitchers are creatures or habit. They're on mm-hmm. a schedule. They're all set. They've yeah. probably, yeah, they've already probably done, you know, they'll do their really heavy uh, workload maybe four days prior to a pitching day. It's a day on, day off thing. Yeah. yeah so they, you they can't really on. disrupt mm-hmm. that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the reason for yep. that. And, um, you know, even though, like you're saying, Gonsolin might be the better option. Obviously, now, I don't know. Maybe just it's, it's well, May maybe down the May also mentions he's, he's the, well, the, the Giants, perhaps. Yeah, he's, he's got the most upside, and I think May is May could could should have gotten a lot out of last year. Um, he he's going to continue to really progress, and I I expect a, a a lot from him this year when he fills in here and there. The one guy for the Dodgers I think is going to have a really big year is Julio Urias. So yeah, I think I think they were better off just you you bring one person up, and that way only one game you're sort of off schedule instead of being off schedule every game right exactly like right. having to move everyone up and kind of throw things a little bit off so you'd rather do it one game and it might have been that may i think what the game plan was was that may was going to probably be called up in a few days anyways to pitch the to to maybe have to back end the bueller game Something that you and I spoke about when we did our full-on Major League Baseball preview yep. on that's so what G said was that Walker Bueller has had a tough offseason. He may not be cranked up. He, he may need a few starts at least to be able to go some sort of distance. So I think the plan was to have May ready to piggyback Bueller if Bueller could only go three or four innings. So now you're you're already going to have May on the roster. He's going to make this start. They'll probably end up bringing up someone like a Gonsolin to do that or maybe have it be Santana, someone like that. Yeah, the, the things that... Um... You know, just I had to refresh my memory a little bit when once I heard the news and go back and and kind of look at the game by game, uh, you know, pitching outings for Dustin May and the things that really stood out to me. And I remember thinking the same things last year, where he doesn't walk a lot of hitters, his strikeout to innings ratio is almost you know on par. You know, thirty four innings uh, and thirty four and two thirds innings, thirty two strikeouts. You know, only five walks, so pretty good control, and he only gave up two home runs. Mm-hmm. So he's, that's, he's got electric stuff. He just he was. He just felt like sort of a year away from putting it all together. He's one of those big, highly projected, highly touted prospects that 
you 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 kind of expect so much from right away that when he's not dominating instantly, you're feeling like what this guy's he he's going to gain a lot of of confidence from just getting some innings last year and being up with the ball club. So I think you know in a month or two, uh, midway through the season, you know he, he's going to be really settling in here. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, you know usually when you have these like really really you know the bigger type of pitchers. The issue, you know, think Randy Johnson as an extreme end, but usually their issue early on is is control. So to see somebody walk that few of hitters is uh, is is kind of telling about his development and probably very telling in terms of what the Dodgers are able to do with young pitchers as they progress through the minors. So um, to me, I, I think this kid is going to be a really good pitcher for a long time to come. Frame-wise, by the way, I don't know if uh, Bobby Witt was as big, but it kind of reminds me of him. But Bobby Witt, he came up with the Rangers er, uh, late 80s, and he was one of those guys, though. He could not get it together control-wise. I bet you if he pulled up a stat sheet, I mean, it seemed like every other inning he was walking two, three guys, getting himself into trouble, but he's able to get a lot of strikeouts. You know, that's usually what those, like, bigger-type pitchers are able to do is get in and out of jams because of the strikeout. But it's a lot better if you don't get yourself into a jam, and that's how you avoid having an ERA uh, of, of four and a half or five. <laughs> so, so we were we – were, you, you, you were a little lucky because we had, a, we had a couple pieces of news that we had to talk about right away that were interesting because there was big news that came out yesterday that I know you're probably not too happy about. And as a Dodger fan, I'm extremely happy about. And it's the, the Mookie Betts contract extension. He has not yet even played one game with the Dodgers, but he will be a Dodger for the next 13 years. They extended Mookie. This was one of those situations, Mike, where – we had been discussing this over the last month, you know, here and there in that what happens this year was going to really tell a tale on on who got the better of this trade between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. And if, you know, if Mookie ends up playing for the Dodgers for only one year and they just barely make the playoffs or they don't win a World Series and then Mookie leaves and Verdugo ends up, you know, contributing for the Red Sox, the Dodgers look like they probably don't make, you know, get get the better of that trade. But in, and, and there were a lot of Red Sox fans, including you, I think a few times when we talked about it, you had mentioned or even got the feeling that maybe he'll come back. You know, Mookie is a guy who loved Boston. He at, was least, at least was hopeful. Right? Yeah, hopeful. He was emotional. At least there was an opportunity, a chance for someone to maybe come, come back home to a place that he grew up. And now that's not the case. I mean, as a Dodger fan, I absolutely love this. And this is something that, you know, a lot of people said the Dodgers won't make the big splash, make the big... Um, deal, pay someone long term. If you're going to pay someone, I think this would be someone on the very, very short list that I would like to pay for this long. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Look, man, in this day and age where you actually have a little bit of general manager musical chairs, you bring in somebody, he wants to put his kind of stamp or seal of approval on the team. He wants to be able to have it kind of be, uh, you know, under his likeness, be built under his likeness, under his philosophy, uh, the type of baseball brand that he likes to establish. The Red Sox, you know, they have uh, Brian O'Halloran, and uh, he was brought in by Shane Bloom, who is their president of baseball operations, and they want to put their stamp on this thing. And sometimes you, you have to make those tough moves, so now it's it's kind of a game of chess, especially in the AL East between the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, my move, your move. So now I'm just kind of curious. Okay, with money that's going to be freed up, future monies that are freed up by moving price and not re-signing Mookie, 
what do you do next? Mm-hmm. Who are they targeting? And I think we've been so caught up with uh, COVID and the delay, we haven't had as much conversation in terms of talking about the upcoming free agents this winter. Uh, you know, there's a little bit more talk about it with the NBA, but even even normally by the summertime, you're talking a lot about that kind of stuff. Not not as much this year. I am kind of curious as to who are going to be the free agents that the Red Sox are going to target. I would have to imagine it's going to be on the pitching side. But when you're the the Red Sox, the Yankees, probably the Dodgers as well, you, you kind of have to make a move. It's not just subtraction. It's usually a trade at some level, whether mm-hmm. it's a literal trade or a trade-off for another player by signing somebody. Yep, yep. And we'll see. Like you said, if if they're able to go out and spend and bring in a big star – a, or build a, a team around with the space that they they you know they got rid of that that money, shying the the contracts of Mookie and Price and getting out of that, then you don't feel as bad. But the problem is now the pressure is on Boston and the pressure is on the front office of Boston to make a move that is going to make the fans feel at at the very least like they got sort of a replacement or we understand what they're doing with the money. That's when we get frustrated as fans is when it's not when players walk or we have to make a trade. We know those things, those things happen here and there. It's when we feel like we're not trying. And as a, as a Boston team, that's not been the case over the last, you know, 20 years or so. They, they've always felt like they were in the mix for whether it be a free agent or off season or in the middle for a trade, or they had the, they, you never felt like they weren't, they didn't have enough. No, that's never been an issue. That's never been an issue. And really, this new regime was put in place uh, right after the season. So kind of like right before November, late, late October is when the Red Sox brought in a new president of operations, new general manager, etc. So now let's look at the first few moves on their end. It's been, uh, you know, it's it's been basically mostly subtraction, if you think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Best yep. price firing Alex Cora dealing with a cheating scandal. Uh, the only move that they've really made is is hiring an interim manager and I believe then removing the interim label. So we haven't seen a lot of good yet. You know, Alex Cora, regardless of, you know, what happened with him at Houston, maybe even in Boston as well, uh, he was really beloved by Red Sox fans because yep. he came in as a rookie manager and did what every rookie manager dreams of doing, which is taking them all the way. They had a historic season, historic win totals, and they they faced the best teams in baseball all along the way. It's exactly how you would have scripted it as a baseball fan in terms of what you'd want to see. And they gave the Red Sox fans that, but that was a different regime. So now what's next? What are they going to do? What I will say is this before we move on from the Red Sox is – an aspect of this that I do like is I think because when you're playing in high pressure cities like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, et cetera, there's always going to be this baked in pressure that these players are dealing with season in, season out. I think the expectations this year for the Red Sox are very tame, yep. relatively speaking. Like an icing I think on that the might be a good here. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that no, could be no a good pressure. thing for them. Absolutely. Especially a shortened season. Hey, look, mm-hmm. they start off uh, they start off well and get that confidence. It's not that hard to keep it rolling for a third of a season. Nope. And um, just a, a little bit of an update because the, the, the first baseball game of the year has started. You're and, a bomb. Uh, in the first inning, we get a, a two-run home run from Stanton and Judge scored. So the Yankees going to Yankee right off the bat. They're going to bash. They're going to mash. They're up 2 nothing. They hit that two-run home run, too, on, uh, on Scherzer. So now you're going to give uh, Cole 
a two-run lead. And you know what? It's funny. We talked about um, uh, I, I wasn't that high on Cole this year, and I, I still don't know if he'll have the greatest year. But in the way things had worked out in my fantasy draft, where I was situated, uh, where I was situated, I was number ten in a ten-team league, and so I'm I'm right at the back end. So I always like to try to get a pitcher and then one of the better position players that I can at that point, just so I at least know, okay, I got a top of the line. And who sure. was around right there who dropped to me was Cole. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the move. And so I actually picked Cole. So now I'll be rooting for him this year a little bit more than I, I probably would have would have normally. So uh, so yeah, hopefully. So you're not we'll, super high on him, but you're pretty happy if he does well because uh, yeah, it's gonna help I, I don't out, I don't so. think he's going to be miserable. I just don't think no. he's going to have the years like he had the last couple years. And that and we talked about it. He's going to need to be sort of that guy to carry this Yankees team all the way. Again, I don't mind. I don't care if the Yankees win the world series or not but um where where he fell to me it was one of those things where it's like you know what i don't like this horse at two to one but he's five to one right now i gotta kind of i gotta make a, i gotta pay pay a few bucks on him so that that's uh that's what i stood on on that one so um yeah and actually unfortunately now soto was was right in front of me he got picked right in front of me and he was the the, the one that i was really targeting and i was hoping to get soto and then he and it was like okay soto cole and then cole ended up dropping there so i ended up going in that direction and so far you know We'll end up seeing how that works out, but it's never great to start with your first round pick Soto for many people who's, who's going to be missing games and they just don't know when they're going to have him back. No, and actually, uh, this is probably a good opportunity that I was going to ask the the listeners a question. If anybody has uh, is in a is in a fantasy league and has been able to address this, so Gino, our our auction, we always wait until a couple of days after opening day. I don't even remember what the reason is, but we've been doing this league for over twenty years, year in year out. Actually, was started by Dodger um, employees, uh, ticket manager Seth Blumen, who is a fraternity brother of mine from back in the day, and uh, he's still the ticket manager. He's no longer in the league because he's just too busy with the the Dodgers' big run. He, he dropped out of the league like three, four years ago. But um, ours is an auction league, five by five, keepers. You 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 if you pick somebody up today, he doesn't include get included into the stat sheet until. Bef- you know, bef- anybody before first pitch on Monday, then it goes for that week. So it's a weekly cycle. So this year we're changing that, right? We're making that a daily thing. So if you pick up somebody after first pitch tonight, he officially starts for you tomorrow. With the COVID thing where you might have two, three, four guys, we're trying to think of like, okay, do you give an owner first right of refusal? Because it's kind of not fair if, you know, he's got the Yankees first base, well, we're NL only, so the Dodgers first and third baseman, and they both get taken out on the same day, and then somebody else picks up all these players, but I, we haven't been able to come up come up with like a good, equitable solution to that. So, hey, anybody out there has any good ideas, yeah. Gino, if you do, I mean, it's not, it's really more, you're giving it, there's more luck going to be involved this year than ever before, mm-hmm. I think, because of what you just said. It sucks for that Soto guy. Right, terrible. Now, what if he loses Soto and Scherzer on the same day? And you're, so I mean, is there any way to equalize that a little bit from a uh, fantasy league perspective? I wonder if we might add an extra, just an extra IL spot and an extra injury list spot, and just give people another like a net, an opportunity to not have to drop that player and keep them, and it doesn't hurt you as much. But yeah, and then so did, so in it, other words, you have somebody he doesn't go against the stat sheet. Or it doesn't go for the statue. It doesn't go against. It's just neutral. But then you could activate him at any time. Mm, so it's yeah. almost like anticipating in advance. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you don't get the goose eggs. You can get someone else to fill in. It's not going to be someone that Soto 
level that Soto talent, but you know, you sure. can at least you at least don't have to drop him because like you said, all of a sudden, oh no, you got you got two players hurt and some some leagues only have the one injured league spot too. So yeah, well, yeah, and look, when you're talking about one league only, like NL only, and you lose like two top guys, you're, you're picking up like a utility guy mm-hmm. that maybe he's getting at bats every players. third, uh, you know, or second or third mid, game or something. Probably like fourth and fifth really bad starters or even like middle relievers are, are players you have to have on your roster. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, depending on the, the season, sometimes if, if you have slim pickings like that, a fourth or fifth starter not only doesn't help you, it can hurt you quite a bit if mm-hmm. these guys are getting roughed up that during that year. And I remember getting stuck with a Levon Hernandez, one of his terrible years. Remember when he had like three or four years that were just garbage and teams kept on. And I kept on saying, you know what? He's going to turn it around. He's a good pitcher. He's going to turn. And uh, I think he was the sole reason for my demise like three years in a row because I was so damn stubborn to keep picking up Levon Hernandez. So mm-hmm. let's take a quick commercial break. Yep. You know, we'll come back, continue the conversation. And uh, yeah, Opening still first day, inning, two, zero, New York Yankees over the Nationals. A huge smile on my on my face just saying that we're uh, seeing Cole for the first time first inning pitching right now. We'll be back with an update after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here for segment two on the Mike Abadir Show. Opening day in baseball. A little two games for us tonight. We've got one of them already underway. Yankees up 2-0 on the Nationals in the first inning. I'm actually watching the Lakers preseason game off to the side on my other TV. So I've got the, uh, the screen-to-screen action going as we record. It feels like the uh, the show that we did in the Treasure Island uh, when we were doing NCAA tournament a couple years ago where we had all the noise in the background and watching all this, the games as they were going live. It's, it's fun. And even though it's just a preseason game for the Lakers, it's great to see them back out on the court. I was watching the Clippers. They had their first preseason game yesterday so we've had two games 
two days worth of basketball games now. We've had baseball games starting. And fingers crossed, Mike, because like we said, it was it's not an easy road to get here. But it's nice that both places have started and got underway. And in particular with basketball, the way that they're set up now in their bubble, they tested their 300-plus players most recently and got zero positive test back, which is great news because that shows you that the the bubble is working, that people that came there positive have gotten clear and that they're not getting positive in the situation where they're all able to monitor everything that's going on. Yeah, that's very good news. And I think um, I think some of the, I don't want to say preaching uh, about good habits and, and where to go and where not to go is maybe being effective. I really, really think, and uh, this is kind of a harsh way of saying it, but I know that a few players anonymously had, have said this. I've been told this on many occasions over the last couple of months, but it really is about, and I, I, there's no other way to put it, Taming the desire for a lot of hoes is is exactly how it was put to me. <laughs> no, I, I hope my teammates can tame that desire because let's face it, man. The, uh, a lot of these guys cycle a lot of them in and out. I think one of the MLB players, uh, if I could pull it up while we're talking, I'll tell you exactly who it was. I don't know if he put his name behind it or not, but he said, "My only concern are horny teammates." So. Uh, it's now been put in a, a variety of different ways. The onus uh, less on the female there and more on the guy. I guess either way, it's on the guy, right? So I think that's a big issue, though. You know, it's a, it's a long season. You want companionship. You want friendship. You can't just be robotic and go to the cafeteria and come back up mm-hmm. and do the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, you, some guys, I think, are more able to be satisfied with, you know, playing their video games and and just focusing on the next game. Some guys are super professional about it. And that doesn't mean that the ones who don't aren't professional, it just means that they're just different people. We're all different human beings and have, you know, different wants and needs and desires and ability to focus on things or, you know, some have less attention span. I mean, these are real people, guys. Mm-hmm. These are real human beings who, um, you know, on, on any given month, you know, can stay on course and then slip at any point because we're human beings. So that's kind of the the big challenge with this. Mm -hmm. What's nice about it is, at least for where the NBA is concerned, the teams that are going to be around there the longest are the teams that you feel like are going to be the most focused because they're playing for a title. So what's cool is that in uh, two weeks, you're going to have eight teams that are going to be leaving already. And then in another week and a half, you're going to have another eight teams that are gone. So they're going to be able to, in a month, really cut their numbers. And I think a lot of the players that might not have been as motivated to be there, we've talked about this too, players that were on teams that really don't have an opportunity to win, whether it's you're worried about the COVID stuff, whether it's you don't want to leave your family, whether it's, hey, you're a single guy and you've got other stuff and you just don't want to be in this kind of a situation in a bubble on a team where you don't feel the need to go all in for it. Whatever the reason may be, they're at l- hopefully – a lot of those players will be on the teams that get weeded out quickly, so they won't have to necessarily be stuck in there the whole time with everyone else. So I'm I'm hoping that as basketball, they got it started, it looks good. Now for them, there's not going to be a situation where they're bringing more players in. So fingers crossed, that's a good one. And baseball has gotten a lot better too with you know the first week when we were hearing about the testing stuff. I mean, it was just 
all over the place from tests not getting sent in, them taking too long, not knowing about results, players having to literally just wait a few days before they did anything because they didn't want to come around if they did if they had it or not. So they've seemingly cleaned things up a lot over the last week, Mike. It's the one league that we we felt the most confident of, you know, like a month ago, where football is seen is, is not in the best of spots right now. No, no, football really isn't, and th- there are a lot of different reasons for that. But most importantly, the NFL really just has not, in my opinion, done what they've needed to do to make sure that the players feel secure in the protocols. And if you're not able to get the players to feel good about the situation, you're going to be off to a very rocky start. We'll see if they could kind of keep it all together. I think that they will be able to. It's the NFL. They'll find a way. But not, not. I'm not. I mean, we're we're just a couple of days now from camp starting, and um, I'm not sure that the players feel any more confident about it than they did three weeks ago. And that's not good. That's not good at all. No, and um, we've seen there over the last couple of days. Some of the major big name players have all been voicing their opinion on social media. And you could tell when that happens and it's it that it was that is planned. You know, the players are getting together talking about, hey, we need to post this right now. We need to have some of our big names, play, players who have some of the biggest followers and then are going to get really noticed by doing this. And we need to have all of them. It was like an not an attack, but like an orchestrated plan of boom, 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 boom. All these different players posting on Twitter and, and Instagram saying, we're scared. We're nervous. We, we, they're telling, we want to play, but we don't have anything right now that we're getting reason stuff. Like you said, that are going to make us feel safe. So it's, it's like where we felt baseball was not long ago. It's starting to get to that point with the NFL. And that's not, you know, as, as fans of sports in general, and honestly, love baseball, love basketball. And whether you're a fan of each of those sports individually, personally, the honest to God truth is right now, as far as ratings in this country, as far as people noticing, as far as people caring, as far as people wanting to talk about stuff, football is king. Football's been king for a decade now, and maybe even a little more than a decade, maybe 15 years or so, 20 years, and that's just the the, the truth. So a, a year with no football would be really devastating when it started to feel like things are, are on the way back. Yeah, and look – I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pull up. I usually don't do this, but I have an email here from D. Maurice Smith and J.C. Treader, and uh, I'm talking about the president of the union and the president on the players' side as well. They co-signed off on an email to the agents, and this is how it starts: We continue to negotiate with NFL owners over health protocols, contract protections, and salary cap issues. We continue. Those, that's the first words. Those are the first words. We continue. We're, we are July 23rd, Gino. There should be no continuing. Yeah. It should be done. We've settled on these issues. And this email should have been June 1st, June 15th, July 1st, not July 23rd as to we continue. It goes on to talk about, uh, you know, we're working on blah, 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 implement the safest standards for our men. As you've heard, there will not be a preseason game. So that to me, Gino, means they couldn't figure it out to be able to do a preseason game. Mm-hmm. So if you can't figure it out to put together a preseason game, what's the difference for a regular season game? Why is it going to be different? <laughs> right. It just, there's buying time there. And, and this is what we saw baseball doing too. I think football wants to get, I don't know, maybe I, I honestly don't know what, what the, what the buying time is doing 
for them what they're trying to gain some information by watching how some of the other sports do it i i don't know i think that's um, a part of it yeah i but the other part of it too is just just to come to an agreement on what do we do you know like uh you know um, like i said i'm not gonna like read the whole letter or whatever but i mean uh, some of the things that, that it mentions in here that aren't agreed upon yet are still um and i've mentioned this i think three four weeks in a row there's still no agreement on opt-out options unless you're a high-risk player, high-risk individual, we have not come to an agreement on opt-out options. What if I just simply don't want to because I take care of my elderly father or mother or grandmother, right? Or I don't want to put my children at risk or whatever the case may be. There is no opt-out yet defined for that. What does it mean for your contract? What does it mean to, to your pension, your accrued time? What about free agency? Do you, are you, do you lose a year before, like if you're supposed to be a free agent in 2024, Will that mean you're not a free agent until 2025? I mean, these are hugely important issues for every single player and his place in the NFL. So we're still light years away, you know, on a lot of those issues. Now, I'm kind of thinking that there, at some point in time, we're going to have to basically collectively say, you know what? Let's just have one of those clauses in here that says if we can't agree to anything, then we're just going to give it to the, the benefit of the doubt to the players. I think that's going to be the only way to do so if you're up against the clock is, hey, look, owners, if you guys can't agree on what to do, then any situation, you give the benefit of the doubt to the player. So he does not lose a year towards free agency. He doesn't lose what they call an accrued season. That's the NFL language for it, contractually speaking. So you don't lose an accrued season. It's as if you, even if you opt out, you're going to have another season under your belt to qualify you for all of the benefits that you get for somebody that's been in the league for mm-hmm. more than either three accrued seasons, four accrued seasons, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of issues. I think this is probably somewhat of a boring subject matter, but I did want to mention it at least that way when people see t- tweets from like Adam Schefter and insiders and when things like this are mentioned, that people at least have an idea as to what it is exactly that they're talking about, what it is that they're fighting about. Because I think and maybe fighting isn't the right word, but negotiating heated at times. Uh, and fortunately, that hasn't been kind of conveyed to the media that much. They've kind of tried to keep as much of it in-house. But like you mentioned, there's some tweets that have gone around letting people know kind of a little bit of dissatisfaction with what's going on. But ultimately, these are the type of things that have to be worked out. And there are so many. And I think I came on the air either last week or maybe the week before, Gino, and I was telling you, you'd be amazed at how many issues are still not resolved. And so if there was like a million, there's still like half a million. You know, it's like there's some progress. I'm not going to say there's none. But the, and a lot of those half million are pretty important issues. So that's kind of the, the, the deal NFL-wise. So keep our fingers crossed. See what happens, man. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, it's kind of a long road to go. Let's put it to that way. And that doesn't even mention things like the Governor Cuomo quarantine for 14 days in New York. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that on the, That's What G Said for baseball and a little bit for NFL as well in terms of, you know, if you have a 14-day quarantine, how does that affect road teams? So you're going to have to negotiate those things out, not between the owners, but now between local level, state, and municipal officials. So it's, a, it's tough sledding, man. It's tough sledding. And obviously all this stuff costs money and you're going to have to create different task forces and take people's attention away from other stuff. It's, man, it's exhausting even me sharing the little that I know about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, 
I kind of want to shift to a different topic, though, Gino. Yeah, shift. I want to talk a little bit about LeBron James. And I know we got a commercial break in a couple of minutes, but I want to give you some of my thoughts. I kind of found it interesting because you remember how with Michael Jordan, you know, the 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 kind of the famous story was when when reporters were kind of getting on him a little bit about why he does not engage himself in social issues, mm-hmm. and issues involving the black community and issues involving other things that uh, maybe society may be talking about debating or looking for change on. And his response was uh, specific to a little bit more of a political question. And he replied with, well, Republicans buy sneakers too. Right. And it was kind of ha ha, but it really gave some insight into the type of guy he is. He doesn't want to offend anybody. And he doesn't want to take sides. And, you know, he feel it's not that he doesn't feel it's his place to do so. It's that he's got a brand to protect. Mm-hmm. LeBron James has been a little bit different than that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I think especially since um, maybe the Trayvon Martin situation. Yeah. Right? That was probably one of the big a, ones. Yeah. I think that's probably like a like a dividing line pre-Trayvon, post-Trayvon in terms of what we saw out of LeBron made a little bit more effort. And then we saw him in 2015 up on the stage there with Dwayne Wade, with Chris Paul. Uh, there was a fourth, I don't remember right now, but they were on the stage of the ESPYs and they gave kind of a, a unified approach speech, that type of thing. What we heard a week or two ago, though, was that, and it was surprising to me, I wonder what your take on it is, is that he wasn't going to have any kind of a BLM or any other societal issue type message on his jersey. He was just going to go with James. Yeah. And, and I thought I, that was interesting. And yeah, I kind of have yeah, a take on that, but I'd like to hear your take. On yeah, I don't. What I like about LeBron is that I, I, I genuinely feel, for the most part, that he gets involved in causes or things that he knows about or that that are important to him. I think there are, I think it's it's kind of hard people want someone like a LeBron or a Jordan or to to have an opinion on everything, right? And we can't really do that. It's hard to do that. I don't like making opinions on things that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I think I think and what I had heard is that by him doing James, he felt like his message of LeBron is best when people know it's LeBron, and and and, and I, I kind of I didn't understand what he was saying, but I, I don't I don't really have a problem with him not having a Black Lives Matter or or whatever you know whatever statement or phrase or or whatever he wants on the back of his jersey. Um, I I, I he does enough to me by actions, and whether he you agree with some of the things he does politically or not, or some of the stances that he takes, he does have stances and he does have takes. So I don't. I don't really fault him for that. I kind I it, it seems a little I agree with you. It does seems a little weird that he would choose this time to not have a cause or to not have something to get behind, but you know, maybe he feels like he can do things differently, do it more in a different way and I, I don't know if this has anything to do. I don't even know if this is a, a like a technical thing about his jersey because you maybe you'd feel like you could sell a lot more jerseys if you put something on and somebody knew it was a LeBron jersey, right? So it, it might even be the opposite of what people think if this was like a, a money or a contractual thing. You would think Nike or whoever would love to have another LeBron jersey with the phrase on it that people would go buy. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. I think, um, and we're up against a commercial break, so maybe I should uh, save some of this until afterwards. But you mentioned something interesting, which is that he typically will speak about things that he either knows about or is passionate about. I think it's the former that got him a little bit into trouble, which is 
potentially led to this, which is, do you remember when he kind of got into it regarding with the China the, stuff with Darren? The China Robert, stuff with, with Maury with, a little bit, yeah. With, um, it was the, the Darren Maury, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that, right, so with the Maury thing, I think that was an area that he really didn't know what he was talking about, and he jumped into it. And it's probably one of the rare times that he jumps in on, on an issue that he is not that familiar with. And I think he got a lot of blowback from that that's, situation. That's probably very safe. It's probably, that's probably fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because you would think that if any time he was going to engage with something like this, it would be now. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of went back to I should revert back to the Jordan way. I got a huge brand to protect. I only have more downside than upside. You know, I think this is one of those things where he's like, you know what? Maybe in this situation, there are enough other people to be able to pick up the slack on the messaging. Mm-hmm. And if there is a percentage of the population out there that views us as just athletes and shut up and play basketball, maybe this is the time right now to, you know, kind of exercise that opportunity to uh, to just shut up and play basketball to mm-hmm. protect my brand more than anything else. Because, like I said, he's got a whole league of other guys, white guys, black guys and maybe when all over the place that are doing it anyway. So what, what's one more person? When LeBron does something, it becomes more than than that message of it, right? It becomes LeBron doing it. Exactly. It, it, you, and then maybe maybe that was what he's thinking in his head is that you know what if I do it, it becomes more about LeBron than it does become about Black Lives Matter or whatever whatever message you, you wanted sure. to, to put out sure. there. So maybe he felt like it just kind of just like you said, other people it'll it'll be more of an impact coming from others than it will from LeBron because the story then becomes about LeBron. Exactly right. And I think the last point I'm going to make is that this, I believe, is maybe also a part of us seeing the professional LeBron, which is we got a short time to be able to accomplish a mission. We want to fulfill this mission. I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to Focus. be distracted. I don't mm-hmm. want to ask, have to answer a lot of questions, have my teammates ask and get asked questions, answer a lot of questions. Why did LeBron do this? Why did he choose that? Why didn't he do this? Do you guys think that you guys forget all that? I'm just going to keep a LeBron James stick to winning titles and an off season. If I want to re-engage, I can do so after the mission is accomplished. So Gino, it's a Yankees two, Washington one. We uh, just saw an Adam Eaton home run off of Cole. um, And that is after the top of uh, bottom of the second. So heading into the third inning, I believe stay with us. We'll be right back with more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Closing segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. Opening day of the baseball season, and we've been... Bouncing all over the place, talking a little bit of basketball there. We were just talking LeBron a little bit before the the commercial break. And, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple different reasons why we were even talking about more during the commercial break. But it it could be that LeBron is conflicted himself on certain issues. It could be that he's been told maybe, you know, maybe like you said, maybe just don't speak out on an issue for a year or two or a little while. You know, it's just just – Take your time before you and make sure you really believe it on something before you go into it. Or maybe he's got that focus right now with the the blinkers on going, okay, we've got eight games left right now, and then we're going to be the number one seed, and this is going to be the best opportunity that I have in the rest of my career to win an NBA title. I have to make this count. It could be a combination yeah. of all those things. could be a combination know? of things, and and uh, like I was just telling you during the break, you know, there's people need to re- realize that, of course, LeBron James feels – that every single black life is important. Every human life is important. I don't doubt for one second that he believes that 100%, as should really any human being. Uh, But there is an organization, as an actual organization, called Black Lives Matter. And it's very tied to a political organization, the Democratic Party. So there could be an element of it as well, which is I don't want to have... To it's kind of like Jordan said, Republicans buy sneakers too. They buy shoes as well. So why alienate you know potentially half of the pool of buyers, of consumers, of watchers of ball games? And I think it maybe it just comes down to that, which is you know I can be a very strong advocate without having to have political leanings. So maybe it's just as simple as that, you know. Yeah, you're right, and. There are many different reasons, and um, and who knows? You know, we'll find out. I I don't feel bothered by it, but it is something to to, to point out. And I'm glad you. No, uh, you I don't. I don't. I'm not bothered by it at all. Yeah, yeah. Look, I really feel that people have a right to have opinions. People have a right to have p- political affiliations if they choose to, to keep that matter private if they choose to. You know, there was a day before uh, in the past, you know, where people said, you know, just don't talk about religion, uh, you know, God or politics and stay clear of those and you'll be okay. And it seems like now we've gone out of our way as society to not just talk about all those things, but to rip one another for it in a a time where um, we just need to hear each other out and Mm -hmm. be understanding Mm -hmm. and be more respectful of each other's opinions. And uh, we've kind of lost, lost sight of that as a society. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a sociologist. I've got some theories as to why. But, you know, we've, and we've talked about it a lot recently, especially without games going on, is that there is this big intersection between sports and society and societal issues and, and vital issues. And, you know, uh, maybe when, when the games are 
back in full swing, there's maybe a little bit less of that. I kind of hope so because I think there's a lot of, you know, social issue fatigue, political fatigue that that's out there. Um, but also, look, yeah. it's an election year too. Mm-hmm. So you know, of course, there's going to be a lot more of that. It's going to ramp up a lot until November, and then um, you know, hopefully for the next four years, you know, I'll tell you what, half people are going to be pissed. Uh, you know, come November 5th or whatever. Yeah, is. this is a different time, too, happens. man. Either way, I can't, you know? I can't recall a time where people were so aggressive and so divisive on one side or the other. It was generally, you never felt like one group or the other would have been, would be devastated the way they would be this year if it goes one side or the other. And, and, um, yeah, that it's a little, no, it's, it's a little so much so, by the way, that somebody asked me, what's a solution? And I said, look, there is no solution. No. However, if if you want a best second, if you want a second place answer, number one is there's no solution. The second place answer might be something along the lines of, you know what, moving forward, you have a Republican president, a Democratic VP this year. Four years from now, you flip them around and you have a Democrat that's president, a Republican that's a VP, and you, you have to work together. Sorry, guys. You guys are now on the same team. And you keep flip-flopping them until you come up with a better system. Otherwise, we're heading towards a collision course to civil war or something. Because I yeah, just don't see is, anything it coming together otherwise. It doesn't it feel it's, it's going the wrong way. Yeah, it is. And by the way, just so you know where I got that idea from, that's actually kind of what happens in some other places. You know, some countries have like a prime minister and, you know, like the UK has a prime minister, for example. A lot of countries have prime ministers. Canada with Trudeau has, has prime minister. So in Lebanon... You know, in the Middle East, you have a lot of big religious tensions. So what they do over there is you have, and don't quote me as to which position is held by who, but it's like the president is a Christian, the prime minister is a Muslim, somebody else is something else. And those three, uh, I, I think it's, I don't think it's Jewish. I think it's another faith that's kind of more specific to Lebanon, like Maronites or something. And those three kind of make up the, the heads of the government. You know, and I, I was reading that. And I'm like, that's that's kind of interesting. You can never say you don't have representation. I guess maybe if you're from a really tiny faith or something, you might be like, hey, well, hey, what about us? There's always going to be the what about us. But um, this is probably about as uh, off sports as uh, as we we've ever got, gotten here. But I guess the the really the point is you have to find ways to try to satisfy masses, um, and because it's impossible to satisfy everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's exhausting, honestly, to to think about it and to talk about everything. Yeah, and, you know, and and there's there one one thing we all know where you stand. You can't possibly look at things right now and think that it's going well. No, or it's 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 what what's happening is 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 good. Um, no, not and, at all. And so I think we can we we all should be able to agree on on that because if you can't agree on that and you think what's happening right now is good, that's a little scary because it's it's. It's been heading in a weird direction. This is this has been a year that we will never forget, and for not a lot of great reasons, unlike oh, yeah. any. I mean, no, and, no doubt about it. Hey, look, look, I'm very would, happy to to turn on the TV right now and have a little baseball and a little basketball, and uh, and and be able to sort of turn your brain off for a little bit when watching. Exactly, nice piece of hitting here by Aaron Judge as well. You know, I'd much rather be talking right now, Gino, about the uh, the top ten. MLB prospects to kind of keep an eye out on for uh, call-ups. So I'm going to use that opportunity since I prepared a little bit to talk about do it. The top 10 
prospects that could be called up and to keep an eye out for. I think the the biggest, uh, the big three, I think everybody by now probably is either known about, read about, heard about. Um, and I'm just going in order by MLB.com and how they rank them. The the, the top prospect is uh, Wander Franco for the Tampa Rays. This kid is supposed to be the real deal. He's a switch hitter, throws right, isn't super big, 5'10", 189, 19 years old. He's almost MLB ready, but they're calling him um, you know, an estimated arrival of 2021. And that's immediately followed by Gavin Lux, who uh, you and I spent some time talking about on your show the other day. And as to uh, why he's he's big league ready, obviously, um, he had a little bit of experience last year. We're probably going to be seeing him this year. I'm sure he's going to be getting some at-bats, um, but he's still going to be working on some developmental stuff because, quite frankly, the Dodgers don't really need him. And then the third one is uh, somebody I know you're very high on as well as everybody else. I think he might be the best of the three that I mentioned, and that's uh, Luis Robert with yes. the Chicago White Sox yeah. outfielder. He's a stud. Really, really this good. I can mash, man. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of funny is the, uh, the and I hadn't looked far b- beyond uh, the top like six or seven. You know, there was a Rutschman from the Orioles is after that. And that's the catcher. McKenzie Gore from the Padres. Joe Adele here uh, with, the, with the Angels, who I've uh, kind of been following for a long time and like a lot. So I didn't get to like seven, eight, nine and ten when I was even doing my reading. I didn't have an opportunity to. I guess so I see a number ten. Somebody I talked about his dad earlier in the show. Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> How about that? Huh? So he's coming up as a shortstop with the Royals. And if he has an arm like his dad, he's going to be a t- pretty damn good shortstop, at least from the uh, arm strength perspective. So he was the wild pitcher I was telling you about from uh, the 80s of the Rangers. And so he's a uh, prospect with the, with the shortstop prospect for the Royals. So those are just some quick names I wanted to kind of mention as uh, we start the season, especially if you're in a keeper league or have an opportunity to be able to stash one of those guys. Um, we do minor league picks. In, in our uh, league. So one other thing I, I quickly wanted to mention as well, Gino, which is I had a couple of people reach out and ask if we're doing anything along the, the lines of fantasy or contests or anything like that. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, Gino, we really haven't done much this year since the uh, NFL season, Super Bowl playoff picks. You know, typically we'd have like March Madness and Kentucky Derby and yeah, stuff like and that. Maybe it's, we can, maybe it's even something like on a weekend we can do DraftKings type of thing where we invite a bunch of people and, and have a group, you know, can you on, do, on, there's daily. Can you do like a week long? I think so. And, and there are, something? there are different sites where you can put together and, and do, and do weekly and do groups. So maybe we and do I that. Know you're affiliated with, or, I know you're yeah. affiliated with some, so why don't we take a look at that? We'll get back we'll, to people. It's a good idea. I actually had multiple people ask me about this. So we'll see what we can do. Cause we're pretty much out of town time right now, but I did want to address that. And because I figured that um, yep. we have some people listening that are kind of waiting for an announcement or something like that. Because I did write those guys back on a direct message on Twitter that I, I take a look at it and, and see what's up. So, Gino, that's all the time we have. Happy opening day, opening evening for you. And uh, hopefully the uh, first weekend here goes well and no more COVID positives. Yes, right? that'd be great. It was, it was another fun show and we look forward to uh, talking with you all again next week. That's all the time we have, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll see you same time, same place here next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.